Well, I want to just for a moment look to the Word of God and talk about faith in a time like this, triumphant faith in the midst of a turbulent time as we are experiencing in this day. Because the Word of God, even though we're broken, even though we're devastated, even though we can't sometimes touch upon what that person is going through, that is standing in front of us because we've not had anything like this to ever happen to the degree and level that it, it has happened. But the Bible tells us that there is a key that always needs to be used in our life, irregardless of the circumstances that are around us. And part of that key is found in 1 John 5 and verse 4. And here's what John tells us. He says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now that statement to me is breathtaking because he doesn't list any particular thing that is a part of the world that we need to overcome. He just simply says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, everything in it, everything about it. But you'll notice the statement says that there is a birth that has to come first before that which is needed to overcome is in its place. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So in the midst of this trial and tragedy, in the midst of the turbulent nature of the flood that has inundated and caused the loss of life and the destruction of property at an untold price, nothing greater than the loss of life, we find in this verse of Scripture the word victory. There seems to be so much defeat all around us at a time like this. Heads that are bowed down, shoulders that are stooped, voices that are tremoring, and people that are talking about all that they have lost, and they lay out the defeat amid the debris of that destruction. But the Bible says there is a victory even in the midst of the debris. There is a victory even in the midst of the defeat. And what is it? It is our faith. And as you recall, we have been in the book of Hebrews in that 11th chapter and over and over and over there are stories of unparalleled struggle and trial and trouble, but yet the one word that is mentioned time and time again is by faith, by faith, by faith. Because you and I live by faith. We honor God by faith. And the answer is faith in God. But when we look at that and we stand in the midst of all that has happened here in our county, in our lives, around those that we know and love and care for, and we're seeking to make the difference in their life the best that we can, we can take the example of Abraham in chapter 11 and verse 8 of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed. That would be his faith. 
when he was called, that would be God intervening in his life to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing, not knowing where he was going. And as I think about that verse of scripture, I underscore the statement out of verse 8 that he obeyed and he went. And in that statement, he obeyed and he went. There is no greater miracle than that in our lives. And don't let me forget, Corey, I just spotted you as we're lifting up Enoch. We want to continue to remember him as we come to a close today. And you may want to share. Corey's going to be preaching uh, the 21st of next month. He was scheduled to, and he got sick. But God has given him a word, and I want him to share it. So that was a commercial. <laughs> we'll come back. There's no greater miracle than that in this life because that miracle is the secret through every storm. That secret is the miracle through every trial, every trouble in this turbulent world in which we live. I've been told at times of battle that soldiers were spoken to by their superior officers and one statement circulated many times during times of great conflict and great trial and the statement is you have to go into the battle. You don't have to come back. Whoa. They are, they are soldiers, and they have to go into the battle. They're soldiers, but they're told they don't have to come back. You and I are in the Lord's army, and we are called to go into the conflict. We're called to go into the flood zone. We're called to go into the trial and trouble that people experience, and Abraham he had a wonderful life and all of a sudden when God's voice came, it was like a flood that swept him away from everything familiar in his life. And no doubt Abraham had friends that said, what in the world are you doing? Because the Ur of the Chaldees for where he lived had a population of about 250,000 people and their commerce was at an all-time high in that structure of life, in that type of living in that day. And all of a sudden here is a man that is going to move away and yet he's leaving and God tells him, you don't know where you are going. And those words typify this world in which we live. That we don't know that our next move may be into a place where a flood will occur or a trial will come or a difficulty will be a part of our lives. But Abraham did the only thing that he knew to do when he heard the voice of God, and that was to obey. And I want you to notice verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as, a, as in a foreign country. Now think about it, he's in the land of promise. What would that say to us? He's in the land of faith. Because faith comes 
by hearing the promise, the word of God. He is where God wants him to be, the land of faith, the land of promise. But he lives there as a foreigner. And you and I are reminded by this flood that we walk on foreign soil. That you and I are strangers and pilgrims and we're passing through. And there's nothing permanent about this world. Now listen to the rest of verse 9. Dwelling in tents. Now what kind of a structure is a tent? Dwelling in tents. Now I know that what he's saying to us is that when we carry that over into the New Testament, our body, 2 Corinthians 5, is but a tent. It is a tabernacle. That which is on the inside is eternal. And one day we're going to leave this body and we're going to be with the Lord, but we're ever moving around in this world like Abraham, not in a permanent fixed dwelling. And Abraham did the only thing that he knew to do was to walk through this world as a pilgrim. Now, was Abraham in the will of God? Yes. Was he uh, right to leave the Ur of the Chaldees? Uh, the Chaldees? Yes. But he lived in a tent to remind all of us of the tents we live in. But then in verse 10, here's what it says. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, if there's, if there's a moment of permanence, right there it is. If there's a moment of anchoring our lives, right there it is. If there is a flood that can't wash this away, right there it is. It says, for he waited for a city. Here's the question. Do you believe that Abraham believed that he knew he was going to heaven? Absolutely. Because it says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And this leads us to a principle. C.S. Lewis said, Those that are making the most difference in this world are those that are living for the next world. Because, see, they understand, we understand this world is passing and that we're moving out and we want to make a difference now. So Abraham, he never, no matter where he went, putting that tent here and putting that tent there, he never took his eyes off of his real home that is heaven. And he was looking for a place whose builder and maker is God, a place of security. A place of permanence. I can't tell you the number of people. I just can't do it. That I had the opportunity to get off to the side. And give this kind of witness to them. That even though we're shattered and devastated. There is someone who can hold us. And will never let us go. No matter what we experience. In this time and in this struggle and in this difficulty. And Abraham knew that there was one fact and one fact alone that explained his life and that he set his sights 
on heaven. Now, let's begin to draw some of this to a close by making special application about it. Because we want to think about what are the ultimate triumphs of our faith in the midst of this turbulent world that we live in. And I want you to think about Abraham's faith, that it was a specific kind of faith. It was a faith that brought him into the relationship that he had with God. A faith that brought him the peace of God into his life, even though the things around him could be disrupted. And so we can say by way of triumph, no final and ultimate charge can be brought against those who have that kind of faith. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the, char uh, to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. One verse telling us so powerfully there is no charge that can be brought ultimately and finally against those who have this kind of faith, saving faith in their life. Second, there is no ultimate condemnation that can come upon those who have this kind of faith. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, not to just anybody, but to those who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. To remind them that they have a unique faith, a saving faith, and no final condemnation can come upon you and I if we have this kind of faith. Thirdly, no final evil can befall those who have this kind of faith. Now, troubles, difficulties, floods, overwhelming situations, they come to lost and saved alike. But no final evil can befall those who have this kind of faith. Why? Because of Romans 8 and verse 28. But we know that all things work together for good. I told someone, I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I know that God will use this in your life. I want you to put your trust in Him and know Him personally. But we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Fourthly, no power can ultimately separate us who have this faith from the love of God. Remember those words that I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Paul just lays a litany out of things until he comes down and says height nor depth nor any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. For those of us who have this kind of faith, no power, no enemy, no flood, no trial can ultimately separate us from the love of God. It just is amazing to be able to say that this flood didn't wash away God's love and that He loves all of us. 
and especially as we reach out to minister to those in need. And you know how Abraham said he was looking for a city whose builder was God, that God gave that foundation to give it its stability? Lastly, nothing can compare to the glory that awaits for us in heaven. Romans 8 and verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this life, and there's plenty of them, the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now I know sometimes people want to write that off and say that's pie in the pie and the sweet uh, pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. But we taste it even now. We taste it according to what God tells us in his word. That the Holy Spirit is right now touching us with the flavor of God's love that's heavenly in our life. But until then, let us remember these final things. Nothing in this turbulent world is ever going to be safe, secure, or certain. As long as you and I live in this world, the Bible tells us man who is born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation. The AP Press sent a representative and that's why we started the service late. I was being interviewed by him out in the foyer and he asked me what one thing do we hold on to, do you hold on to, your parishioners hold on to as he said it. And I brought him to the realization that these things happen all the time, all over the world, and they have happened ever since man fell into sin. But God has done something about the fall to bring us back to him and to be able with that love to love one another. Secondly, there will be no end of a turbulent world this side of heaven. We still have the old Adamic nature and we still struggle with sin. We still live in a fallen and broken world and we will suffer and deal with it until we reach heaven. Thirdly, God is willing to bring beauty out of ashes. God is willing to rise up out of the waters that cause an inundation of life and rebuild and build better than ever before. Fourthly, somebody right now is near you. The word neighbor in Hebrew is a compound word. Ne meaning near, gabor meaning dwelling. If you are near anybody or anybody dwells near you, that automatically makes them your neighbor. And the Bible says, first of all, love God more than you love yourself. And then secondly, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what does love look like? It looks like being a neighbor. Handing out a hug, giving out some food, passing out water, finding a need and trying to meet it. Let's go to work. Let's work as hard as we can because someone right now 
is nay gabor. They are near you, and you can make a difference in their life. Lastly, when you do that and you follow Jesus, it will not be easy. It will not be comfortable. It will not be a walk in the park. It will be a struggle. But I can tell you this. It will bring the greatest reward in your heart that you can know. Because you know you're making a difference for now and for eternity. Let's bow together in a word of closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for these that have gathered together to remind the whole world that even though we are in the midst of such a trying time, we do not stop gathering together. We gather to seek your face. We gather to grow through your word. We gather to be equipped in the power of the Spirit to go out and to serve and to make a difference in this world. Lord, we ask you once again today to be with all of those that are actively involved in making a difference with those who have been inundated by this terrible flood. Thank you once again for all of our volunteers, all these crews that are here. And we pray that we can see something so wonderful happen through the midst of this trying time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.